Good day, good people. On today's show, Glenn's Apple Watch has finally arrived. We discuss Apple's role in your health, Apple's foray into the streaming music services, and reasons Apple probably isn't actually doomed. It's the third episode of Magnificent. As always, I'm Ian Fuchs, and I'm joined by our two lead panelists, MacTrast.com Senior Editor Chris Houck, and the Simply Magnificent Mr. Jay Glenn Kunzler. How's it going today, guys? Always great to be back with you folks. Good, how about I'm you? Doing well, just had a nice little vacation, so... Oh yeah, Vegas. Back and at it. And Glenn, he's finally here after doing his manager bit at the store. It's always Important stuff, right? Instead of, you know... Actually, instead actually of, working. Instead of podcasts and stuff. So, uh, yeah, like I said, my vacation was, was a fun time. I, I got to do the uh, boarding pass on my watch. On my Apple Watch, which was thrilling and I think confusing for the American Airlines folks. I don't think they had much experience with it since the watch has come out. Because I went to board and I just held my arm there and the lady was like, what are you doing? What's going on? <laughs> I was like, it's there. She's like, what's your last name? I was like, Fuchs. She's like, oh, uh, okay. So, yeah, that was... uh. That was an interesting experience. Uh, Glenn, since we last talked, you finally got your Apple Watch. I did. I'm, I'm very excited about it. How, is, uh, how has that been treating you? Uh, it's, it's fantastic. It's uh, honestly a lot more immersive and, and nicer than I thought it would be, um, especially the fitness tracking features. I was a little bit skeptical about how accurate things like the heart rate sensor would actually be. Um, I'm very pleasantly surprised. Nice. And, and any uh, any other huge surprises in it? Anything you were expecting or that you had your heart set on that hasn't delivered or has delivered over the top? Well, one, one thing that's delivered much better uh, than expected is um, how fun it is to torment people that haven't gotten theirs yet. <laughs> that's, that's purely <laughs> delightful. Imagine <laughs> that. You would find joy in that. How about that? Uh, any other... Any anomalies you've noticed? Anything that thing that doesn't work quite the way you thought it should? Anomalies. I have a whole list of those. Wow, it's a big word. No real complaints from me so far. I've um, I found that everything seems to work really well. I've had one minor issue where if you step away from your phone for any amount of time and get out of the Bluetooth range, it can take five or ten minutes for it to really start picking up data again. But that's the only uh, real issue that I've noticed so far. I ran into that a couple times where it would it would say it had unpaired from my phone and mostly my lack of patience and that little red icon at the top that says it lost connection. I would actually go out to Bluetooth on my phone to the pair, the history of devices and you could click on Apple Watch and it pairs right up. And right. That That seemed to resolve that quicker than waiting for it to realize, oh, the phone's here. It's back. Well, even if you do that, though, it, it can take a while for weather and stocks to show back up on the watch face. Uh, that makes sense. I don't use uh, either of those all that much. <laughs> um, Chris, I know you had a, a whole list of things that you had seen about the uh, Apple Watch uh, issues. Yeah. Yeah, our, fr- our, our friends over at 9to5Mac had, had like... Uh, there's 11 little things here. I think we'll just hit the highlights. A couple of things. I just wanted to see if you guys agreed with 
with what uh, their people had said and what their readers had said. Uh, first, a lot of people feel it's an overly complex user interface. How do you guys feel about that? Is it, is it confusing? Is it, you know, isn't it, is it intuitive enough or, uh, you know, could it, could it benefit from tweaks? I, I don't think that's really a fair analysis at all. Um, now, there is, there is some learning curve to it, mm -hmm. but that's because it, it's a different type of device wholly than we've ever seen from Apple before. It's got different control mechanisms and a different interface. But to say that it's difficult to use, I think, is, is extremely misleading. Um, it, it takes very little time to really pick it up and, and learn how to use it well. And once you've mastered those, those very basic skills, like using the digital crown and when to use the force touch, it's actually extremely simple. Okay. I would agree with that. I, th I think there, there was a certain maybe preconceived simplicity of it because it's an iOS device, kind of, that it should be just like the iPhone or the iPad. And then when it wasn't just like the iPhone or the iPad, people were like, oh, well, it's too complicated. It's too hard. No. <sighs> Use it for a day. It's not that complicated. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's try this one. How about notifications are annoying by default? Do you find your notifications annoying? Always. But that was before the Apple Watch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I guess it depends on what you mean by annoying. I mean, if you don't want notifications, you can certainly turn them off. But they don't seem any more obnoxious uh, inherently than any other type of notification on any other device that I've ever used. I think the one thing that I, I remember seeing in that was that they were saying because of the setup process of the watch, there wasn't a clear, hey, this is all going to go to your watch now. Whereas when you do your phone, as you add apps, it's like, do you want notifications from this? And you say yes or no. So you get to pick and choose as apps are loaded in, whether you want notifications. With the watch, it was like, well, everything that's on your phone that has a watch app is going to go to your wrist. And so there are some apps that notify you way too often for things that you don't necessarily need on your wrist that aren't timely alerts. And there are other things that are timely alerts that you do want on your wrist. So I think that that was their bigger issue was just that there was... There was too many things, but it's not complicated to go in to the watch app really fast and just switch off things that you don't care about. Right. Yeah. I think uh, Bloomberg, you know, they were talking about that the sounds and the vibrations from multiple sources. So, you know, you, you had this whole flood coming in. If you were a busy person, it actually usually got a lot of uh, notifications, uh, you know, by default. So... Yeah, I think you guys make a good point there. I think it's just forcing people to realize how inundated they are with stuff. Because I, I notice, I, I do have times where I get a lot of notifications and my, I feel like my wrist is buzzing all the time. Mm -hmm. And when I do look at it, maybe one out of six or seven notifications is something that's worth my time responding to or even opening beyond just a dismiss, I don't care right now. I think that's more of a smartwatch thing than just an Apple Watch thing. Yeah. I, I have that with the Pebble. The Pebble's always buzzing, and, you know, I have to adjust from time to time on, on what sends the notifications. Otherwise, you know, your your wrist is always vibrating, which can be fun in some ways, but yeah, as a rule, you don't want to do it all the time. 
How about? I mean, I, oh, go ahead. I'm I sorry. think if anything, this is a, a good tool that people can use to weed out which notifications really are important to them and which ones they should maybe just turn off on the uh, smartphone level. Yeah, exactly, exactly. How about the speakerphone? You, do you find that you guys find that useful? Have you done any phone calls on it? I have a couple times, and while I would never encourage someone to have an hour-long conversation on their watch, or even a 10-minute conversation on their watch, because that's ridiculous and you kind of look like a dick while you do it, um, <laughs> I, I think... I think there. I don't know why people had it in their head that they had to hold the watch like to their ear, like a phone. It's speakerphone. You don't hold the speakerphone to your ear most of the time unless it's a very busy room. So I think there was just a, I don't know, a mental lapse in the way people thought it should work. Yeah. I haven't had any issues with it. I've been able to hear just fine. People have been able to hear me just fine. And you just hold it out like you're looking at the time and you can talk to it and hear just fine. I don't especially like the speakerphone. Um, I think both the speakers and microphone could be more powerful. It works all right in very quiet, very still environments, but um, I work in a mall, and I can say that it did not work well for me. I, I can't think of a scenario in that setting where I would actually want to have a conversation on the watch. I could see that. And I work in a fairly quiet office, so... For me, any call on speakerphone is kind of loud. So, I could see that. I could see that. Right, or maybe what they need to do is uh, add volume settings and add sensitivity settings for those. Yeah. I, I, do, I do agree that from the microphone aspect of things, um, and this probably goes into something else that I know is in this list, but I had issues from day one with Siri hearing me and that it seemed like the microphone quality um, maybe wasn't quite as articulate as mm -hmm. what's in the phone. And I'm assuming that that also carries over to phone calls. But again, I'm having calls in a fairly quiet situation uh, when I have. Yeah, that seems right. How about, uh, let's see, Apple Watch is slow. Do you notice that uh, apps are slow, reaction time slow? Some people say particularly for maps and location services for apps that uh, it seems to take a little bit to respond. It's certainly not as fast as the iPhone, right. but I don't think it's slow by any means. Um, it can pull up directions and, and Siri can obtain results within what I consider a very reasonable amount of time. Um, it's important to remember that we are dealing with first generation hardware, so it's it's naturally not going to perform to the level that something like the iPhone 6 will perform to, which is, you know, a, what, 7th, 8th generation device? Right. Yeah, I think I, I did use Maps on it one day uh, going downtown, and I didn't feel like it, I, like it took a few seconds for it to load the map data, which makes sense. It has to load it on the phone and then it has to send it across on Bluetooth. And Bluetooth isn't exactly a speed technology by any means. It's not like it's LTE. It's designed for local small data transfer. So it did take a few seconds for it to load. But once it was there, it kept up just fine. 
Um, I have had issues with with loading apps, especially things that are third party that have to actually run on the phone and load on the watch, taking some time. Um, but I don't think that there's like Glenn said, there's no, there's nothing that says, oh well, it can't. You you shouldn't expect better out of the next generation. It is a first generation product, and it's also the it's also just OS version one for the watch. I mean, even in a, a matter of a software update, that could change, and it could become more responsive and more, uh, more speedy. I guess. Right. Right. All right. Um, how about third-party apps? If, if you guys use any third-party apps, or do they? Do you think they're pretty lousy? Pretty good? Meh. Anything, Glenn? I um. I, I kind of don't, I, I haven't really grasped the point of most third-party apps yet. There have only been a very small handful of them which have appealed to me in any way. Um, Do you think the app developers themselves have grasped the no the way they should be I, created? I, I think they're kind of stumbling around still. I, I think they are too. Uh, I don't think most of them have realized exactly what type of device the Apple Watch is and exactly how people are using that. Um, one really good example of this working well, I would say, is the Amazon app, which is very, very voice-centric. It uses dictation and voice commands to get you around. It feels very smooth. But most other apps either don't put content that I really want on my wrist um, uh, most of them seem pointless on the whole, uh, as you know. But what, why? Why do I want this on my wrist when I could pull out my phone and get a better, more detailed view? I will say, after having been on planes and whatever, that the American Airlines app was not the worst app I've used on the watch, even if it is one of the worst apps I've used on my phone. Uh, and I think I think that's something you're going to see a lot of now too. Is is these developers that have built these kick-ass iPhone apps have to like rethink what they're doing or what their app can be for the watch, and they're trying to make it too similar to what the phone experience is. And they're saying, "Oh, we want to give you this and this and this." Like, I, no, I don't want to check the top ten most recent trending tweets or <laughs> trending topics on Twitter on my watch. I don't care enough to if I'm going to check Twitter of any sort. And this this goes for even the stock Twitter app. I'm going to look at my phone because more than likely I'm going to want to interact with something on there or read an article that's linked or something like that. And that on the watch is mostly useless. So I I maintain where I was in the last episode. Third party apps on here suck. Mm -hmm. What is the worst one you guys have used? And at the same time, what's the best app you've seen so far? Uh, best app so far, I'm going to say workflow because you can actually build some workflows that you can trigger from your watch to do things. Um, so I could build a workflow. Uh, I believe you can even make one that like starts a timer. Mm -hmm. I could have a timer, like a quick timer. I could just hit workflow, say start, and it starts a timer on my phone. Um, worst. Oh man. Can you narrow it down to one? <laughs> uh, I'm going to say I think Skype was the worst app I probably opened 
because all their app does is tells you if you have a new message. <laughs> and I, and it, it might show the contents of it. I don't know. I don't use Skype a lot, but it was one of the ones that got auto-synced to my watch when I got it. Mm. And I was clicking into them one of those first days, seeing what was there. And it was like, you have no new messages. And I was like, cool. What about my old messages? Nope, that's not a thing. <laughs> so it's it's basically like, here's your notifications within Skype. If you don't have any, then you get nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I could definitely agree with Workflow as being a very, very useful app. I've actually used that one a lot. It's um, one of only three or four third-party apps that I've actually bothered to leave on the device. The worst one's difficult because I would say that the majority of them are either terrible apps or not well executed for the phone or or just not useful on a wrist. Okay. The deliveries app is pretty nice on the watch too, if you get a lot of packages. Oh. Because it's it when whenever you open the deliveries app on the watch and they also have a glance, so you don't even have to go to the app, you can just pop up the glance for it. It'll give you the status of all your upcoming deliveries and it'll actually refresh the status on your phone. Which, if you know anything about the deliveries app, it doesn't do a very good job of background refresh. So by launching the watch app, it actually does the refresh, which is kind of nice. Oh, that was nice. That's great. All right, one last thing. Um, I know Ian talked last time that uh, his Apple Watch actually, the battery life actually uh, did a little better than he was expecting. And even better than Apple claims. Uh, is that still working good for you there, Ian? And, uh, and Glenn, how, what's your experience been with the battery life on the device? Don't both of you talk at once. That's fine. You're both so damn polite. Come on. All right. All right. So for me, I unplugged mine, and this is just this past weekend. I unplugged mine Friday morning um, at probably 9.30 Vegas time. Uh, so whatever that time zone is and plugged it in last night when I got back home at 11 o'clock PM central time. So what would have been 9 PM, uh, Vegas time, right? Yeah. So 36 hours and I had 4% battery left when I plugged it in and that was, that was using it. I used Apple pay on it probably five or six times while I was out there um, checking all kinds of notifications. Is that, you mentioned Apple Pay. Does that work pretty reliable for you? Is it easier, the same, worse than using it on the iPhone? It's, for it's me, a it's different. been much, much easier. Um, you don't have to scan your thumbprint, which is really nice. Yep. All you've got to do is double tap the side button and place it in the general proximity of a, a register scanner. I, I had more issues with um, the actual registered terminal realizing that I was using contactless because because with the phone you get close enough that the card shows up on the screen you're like okay now I've I've reached that safe distance to use this well with the watch I get so close that I feel like I'm like okay I I feel like I'm close enough now but I have to get just a little bit closer and depending on how the terminal's set up. Like in the back of a taxi, you have to go like right up to it, whereas a lot of scanners will sit flat and you can kind of hover over the top of them. So that and that was where I used it 
most was actually in taxis. It was like, okay, I'm about to get out, double click, it's ready to go, reach up, you can just Apple Pay in the back of a cab, and nice. off on your way. So, I mean, from that aspect, if you were a businessman, you had a briefcase or whatever, it's one less thing you have to worry about holding on to. Yeah. Your phone can stay in your jacket pocket, your laptop or whatever can go in your briefcase. Just a quick tap, tap, pay, and on your way. Great. It uh, reminds me a lot of the way Disney is using magic bands in their parks. Um, it's almost a seamless way to pay for things. In fact, it's almost dangerously easy to pay for things. Um, Imagine makes that. the temptation to buy much, much higher when all you've got to do is push a button and, and hold it somewhere, and then, boom, you just paid for something. Yeah. Well, Glenn... Did, did you mention about your battery life on yours, Glenn? Are you, are you happy with how it's working? Or Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing battery life that's roughly on par with what Ian has been seeing. Um, I can easily get it to last a full 24 hours. I can often get it to last even more than that. So um lasts at least a full day and in most cases far beyond a full day. I'm finding I'm, I'm, I'm charging before I'm dead. Mm-hmm. All right, actually, I do have one more question. It's battery-related. Are you having any charging issues with the Mag st- MagSafe-style connector? Not at all. Okay. No. That's, uh, that seemed my, to be my only com- Go My only complaint I have with that is that the uh, the force behind the magnets is just a little weaker than I had expected. I thought it would be just a little more of a sturdy connect so that I could almost pick up the watch and have it still stay connected. Now I understand the idea is that you can set it down and pick it up with one hand and it's effortless. But I've had it where I'll move it or try to shift it around on the desk while it's charging and it'll come un- unconnected and then have to resituate it. I- I've had an issue with um, some watch stands that will hold the watch at 45 degree angles. Um, especially with a, a heavier band on it, like a metal band or the Milanese loop, occasionally it will have the tendency to to pull off of the 45-degree angle stands. But I've never had any problem with um, laying it flat on a dresser or a bed stand or something like that. Yeah, I think, I think in the article they talk about the uh, little plastic covering that was <laughs> on there, and that I think it was... Uh... Probably more of a user error, uh, a majority of the time at least. Yeah. Not so much a, a charger or device issue. How about music playback? If you guys uh, use it much to play music? Just curious. I've used it to control music, and I guess I've used it to choose music, but I've always been controlling or choosing the music that's on my phone. I haven't actually loaded anything to the watch, mostly because if I'm going to use it, I'm probably going to have my phone there also, mm-hmm. and the Bluetooth headphones I have are paired to my phone already. So yeah, same with me. If, um, if I'm listening to music, chances are I'm in my car, which has Bluetooth, so I just use it to shuffle and control. So, it's, it's a great music remote, okay. but it's... It's not necessarily a, a music playback device. And I, I know in there they also talk about how you can't play music off of it directly, like just through its built-in speaker, which, I mean, makes sense. But at the same time, I, I think that's probably a reason I haven't used it. 
as I'm not going to stream music to it or play, load music onto it and then not and then not play it off the device. Anyway, I have to play it through headphones. Well, that's all I've got as far as questions to quiz you guys with. So carry on. Um, other Apple Watch related stuff. Um, we talked about apps. We we touched on health and fitness. Um, Glenn, you, I know you said you you liked the, you felt it was pretty accurate, and I know I was seeing uh, some similar. You know, the only thing I don't necessarily love about it is the indoor workouts. It has a little bit of an issue with, um, but I know that there's some calibration stuff as far as it figuring out your step length and stuff like that when you run and whatever that are off. But um, uh, have, have I, you... I found that um, it, it took about a week for it to really gauge how I walk indoors because most of the times when I'm going to go for a walk, it's it's going to be indoors. I'm going to do laps around the mall while I'm working or something. But um, after about a week, it, it picked up really well. Um, and one thing that I have found is that the heart rate sensor does a really excellent job from day one and only gets better over time. Um, and it seems to increase the accuracy of uh, calorie burn during workouts as well, which is nice because it can tell how active you're really being. Yeah, and I, I've noticed that as well. Like comparing, I know initially when I had it, I was comparing like RunKeeper on my phone as far as like the distance I would run, but it didn't have the heart rate and what it would estimate the calories to be versus what the the workout app and I've noticed that it, like last week when I was running and stuff like that and even today we went on a walk that the calories are now within two or three of each other and they used to be off by 30 or 40 which I know 30 or 40 mm -hmm. calories may not be a deal breaker for a lot of people but for some people I mean especially if you're doing a longer workout than 30 minutes you know extrapolate that if 30 minutes is off by 40 calories and hours off by 80 which means if you're doing two hour three hour workout you could be off by you know, a couple hundred calories easily. Although I assume the people that are doing two and three hour workouts are probably not that closely worried. Um, and I, how, I know you've used some other uh, fitness trackers too, haven't you, Glenn? And I know Chris, I you've have. used like I've Misfit used, as well. Um, Fitbits. I've used the uh, Misfit devices. The thing about fitness trackers is it, it works better if they can become an immersive experience for you. And for me, the Apple Watch does that extremely well. I don't have to remember to use it. It's very, very automatic. Sure. I, I know that was that was one of my things. Like I used I used the Misfit for a long time. Um and even my wife uses one. I know Chris has played with it and his wife has used one and Right. Um, so we've we've all kind of done the misfit thing. I really liked the simplicity of theirs. Yeah. But I never felt like it was where it was focused on people who wanted to do workouts. It was more focused on the average person, like just make sure you are active and try to fill this circle. Whereas mm -hmm. the watch is like, oh, go do a workout. Take this time and actually make it for being a healthier you right it actually prompts you whereas the uh the misfit devices or the fitbit they did basically just kind of track you and here's what you did today right it's, yeah. a, it's very much after the fact like oh well right. the day's over here's how you didn't meet your goals whereas the watch the apple watch throughout the day is like hey you can still make it like i noticed i got one earlier and it was like hey 
you're only seven minutes away from meeting your exercise goal. And I was like, oh, well, guess it's time to take the dogs on a walk. Or, hey, you're only two hours away from meeting your stand goal. Speaking of stand goals, um, here's something really interesting that I found. Um, and I initially thought maybe this was some kind of a bug. But uh, first of all, I love that it reminds you to stand. I think that's fantastic. But if you've been standing in one place for too long, um, I occasionally have a tendency to stand in one section of my store for, for too long, whether I'm you know working on one of the trading computers or something of that nature. It will remind you of that as well, which I've, I've come to think is actually a really good thing. Because um, if you're being too sedentary, even if you're standing, that's not really that great for you. So I love that it's more of a motion reminder than it is a standing reminder per se right and i know we talked about that last time a little bit that people were saying oh well i stand all day and it's reminding me to stand and i actually paid attention to the entire text of the notification that happened and not just the it's time to stand up mm-hmm. and it actually says it's time to stand up and move around right for one minute not just it's time to stand up. And I think a lot of people saw that as I'm already standing. Why is it telling me to stand? No, it's saying mm-hmm. go do something. This get is, moving. That's for that yeah. walk to the fridge or go to the bathroom or go get water. Whatever, whatever it is you're going to do for that minute, at least go do it now. Take a bathroom break. You know. mm-hmm. um, and one more thing on, on the Apple Watch, and then we'll actually kind of, we'll kind of bounce back. Glenn, you... uh you were uh, quite heated about this earlier this week. Uh, theftgate? The, uh... Yeah, it's, it's, it's just silly. And I feel dumb even calling it Theftgate because it, it seems like such a non-issue to me. So this, this all started with, um, with an article, I believe, posted on iDownload blog about how the watch is missing some security features. Um, it, it can be wiped by somebody who snatches one. In essence, the, the gist of it comes to... If somebody gets their hands on your Apple Watch, they're, they're, it, it's actually stolen. I mean, there's no security features. Um, they can wipe the device and repair it with one of their devices. But what seems so silly about this is I have not seen the same criticism of any other smartwatch in existence. And they all share this problem of having no security. So in essence, they're, they're saying if your luxury watch gets stolen you're screwed, which has kind of always been the case. Yeah, if, if somebody steals your uh, your $2,000 regular luxury watch, you know, it's, it's gone. It's, it's a watch. It's been stolen. And, and even worse, at least with the Apple Watch, there's a passcode or something that'll slow them down a little bit. Yeah, at least they're not going to get your data. Oh, right, like, if somebody takes your super expensive Rolex or tag or whatever it is that they they walk off with that's the end of it that's just a watch you don't have anymore i mean I'm yeah sure well insurance the, and whatever the else. thing that bothers me about about the article is that it, it makes people aware that it can be wiped like no, no nobody's gonna find that out by accident at least not easily you have to force touch on the screen at a very specific point um, if anything, they just educated a whole lot of thieves. I didn't even see it that part. I, I just assumed you could do it like from another phone or something, or there was a way to reset it. I didn't realize there was like, I don't know. I didn't, yeah, I didn't it's even basically look at the, a tutorial on how to steal an Apple Watch. It's crazy. Okay. 
good to know. Well, I still haven't <laughs> seen another one, so I guess I guess there's that going forward. Is that only people who are total pawns to Apple's games have bought one, so everyone pretty right. much has one. If somebody yeah, can think... get your watch off of your wrist, you have a yeah. bigger problem to worry about. Yeah, yeah they've got they've <laughs> got your billfold was... and everything else too, and all your credit cards. I, I, I think John Gruber uh, was the one who posted about, you know, the uh, the biggest thing to consider is right now you're outside of the tech nerd industry. Demand just isn't high enough to make it even really a a targetable thing. Yeah, somebody could steal it, and if they steal a sport, they can sell it for six, seven, hundred bucks online. But the likelihood that somebody's going to to do that. And know how to wipe it and everything else like that seems like a lot of risk for yeah a couple hundred dollars and it's I, I think that until you get to a point where everyone has to have the watch you know until it gets to that iphone 4 4s point in its life where all of a sudden everybody's like i really want an iphone now you know you got to get to that point where everybody's like i really have to have an apple watch and it no longer becomes kind of this extra commodity but more of a desired you know necessity to to people's happiness or whatever, like that's when you have to worry about the theft. And I think that's when Apple will do something to to tie it or lock it down a little more. Well, I think it's I think it's more than that. I think we have to realize that theft wise, the Apple Watch is an entirely different animal than any other Apple device because it's physically attached to your body. You're not going to leave it on a table and walk off. It's it's a watch, for God's sakes. Right? Nobody does that. Um, and I think that's probably why they didn't put security features on it. They thought yeah. people are going to charge this at home. They're going to charge this people, in their secure office. They're not just going to leave it in coffee shops. People right. get robbed all the time where somebody comes up with a knife or gun and says, give me your phone and your wallet, mm-hmm. and you hand it over, and then they run off. So I, the same thing could happen with, with an Apple Watch. Somebody could walk up and say, give me your watch. You can keep your iPhone six because I know I can't do anything with that. But give me your watch. <laughs> and no, then we just it's ask over. Batman. This stuff happens, right? I guess. You got no. nothing on that, Chris. I made a Batman joke, and you've got nothing. I was gonna let it go. <laughs> I'm, I'm in I'm in Marvel mode. I went and saw uh, Avengers two yesterday, so I'm in the Marvel mode. <laughs> So should I see that or Pitch Perfect too? Oh, Avengers. I'm not oh, going okay. to say it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. Change the subject. Uh, so sticking with the wearable thing, uh, big news in the fitness band, and Glenn touched on this brand already a little bit. Uh, Fitbit is filing for IPO with a $100 million valuation that said the Apple Watch could hamper that uh, that initial pricing. What do you guys think? Uh, do you think Apple is really going to come in and kind of shut down all of the opposition's fitness tracking? Right. I think Fitbit actually listed them as a threat. Was it? that how they put it? I think it's definitely going to affect Fitbit. I don't think it's going to affect them as much as they think. Because the important thing to remember is it only works on Apple phones, 
and it only works on the latest Apple phones. So there's still a whole lot of users out there that are going to need something other than an Apple Watch to do fitness tracking. Plus, what's your average Fitbit run? About 100, 100, 125? Uh, Yeah, there's a huge price difference between these devices. You can get the uh, the Fitbit uh, Flex or whatever, the, the little... The little tiny one that just goes inside the watch band doesn't have the heart rate monitor and everything else, but I think it runs for a hundred. Right. And they might even have one that's a little cheaper than that. So yeah, I from a from a price standpoint, it makes sense. Um, but I still think there has to be something with Apple kind of changing the game as far as the health tracker thing goes. I mean, they they basically gave Nike the finger and pulled all the fuel bands, and gave Jawbone the finger and pulled all the Jawbones from their stores. And yeah, but Nike's Nike's doing something about it. They're they're committed to working with Apple. They're committed to developing their own app that works with their shoe tracker and all their accessories and the Apple Watch. Yeah. Um, so maybe in a way, it's actually a good thing that Fitbit's feeling a crunch from this. Um, there's there's nothing that's better at bringing about inventiveness and innovation than a perceived threat, right? Right. True. Um, do you think other apps will do kind of like what Nike's doing? I hope so. And, and start trying to figure out ways either either to integrate into the Apple watch or integrate into health kit or something to, to get their data. I know like for me, I use the Fitbit app because I have several friends who have Fitbits, but I actually use my phone as the tracker because I am very opposed to Fitbit for various reasons uh mainly that their step counting and overall calorie counting is always very overinflated kind of like their ipo valuation um, <laughs> and so for me it was like well, i'm just gonna use my phone because i know that my phone is pretty close to the number of steps i take in a day with the exception of i don't always have my phone in my pocket sometimes i leave that on a desk or whatever and i'm moving around but that it's probably going to be a better count um so my hope is that I can see maybe like a Fitbit app for the watch and even at nine ninety nine or a monthly subscription or something, maybe they could somehow tie into that watch health data, keep their own app, but not use their crappy trackers. <laughs> yeah. I see no reason why it can't enhance what every other fitness company is trying to do right now. Chris, any thoughts? You don't have the Apple Watch, so yeah, I'm so I'm I'm just <laughs> biding my time. <laughs> yeah, Chris, you don't have the Apple Watch. I don't have. Yeah, tease me with it. Go ahead and put it up the camera. Go ahead, <laughs> nana, nana, and go nana nana boo boo. <laughs> um, so if if Apple is not going to completely change the world in fitness tracking, but might help push it along a little bit, yeah, it's going to uh, give it a nice shove. Think? What do you think about this other uh, area Apple's looking at getting into with the streaming music service and what they're going to do with Beats and how they're going to revolutionize that? I think it's about time somebody did streaming music right. Um, I think iTunes Radio went a long way towards that, and I only see it getting much, much better in the future. I can't wait to see what they come out with. I think iTunes Radio was such a, a shit product, personally. 
Really? Why do you feel I, that way? I I don't know. I, I used it a couple times and the only time I, I ever found it was kind of nice was when they would do the uh like artist of the week where like that was the feature you could hear their album before it came out. And like, oh listen to like I I remember Jack White specifically. It was like listen to Jack White's new album Lazaretto before it comes out. And I was like, Oh hell yeah, I'm gonna listen to that. And I listened to that on iTunes music or iTunes radio. Mm-hmm. Um but any of their playlists I end up with ten songs that I've heard on the radio and then I get annoyed and I've I leave and go off and find something else to listen to instead. <laughs> Almost, almost I guess it depends time. a little bit on how you listen to music. Uh, my, my musical tastes vary to such a degree that, for the most part, I don't really care what I'm listening to as long as it's not terrible. Yeah, that's, that's the way I am. It's, uh, I'll, I'll put on iTunes radio and just in the background and listen to it almost like, you know, you'd listen to a, just turn it on the local FM channel. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I'll jump around occasionally today. I have the favorites and and jump around a bit. But uh, I mean, it's pretty much the way I treat almost any kind of streaming music. I I have Amazon Prime, so I get on there a lot with the streaming, and and I'll just you know tell it to play Dean Martin type music or jazz or something like that, and it just kind of picks the songs. And usually does a pretty good job. So, so uh, you guys are more of like the pandora style listener then right where you're like i want oh, yeah. like this type of music and you just go with that yeah yeah mm-hmm. do, do either of you use uh beats music as it is now or spotify i don't use spotify i haven't used either of those for a long time okay so so i i think that's that's the big thing for me is i see i see itunes radio was totally the kind of shot at pandora or slacker any of those radio stations but for me i've just recently become a spotify user because of the the discovery part of it where i can see what my and and the social aspect of it i guess too to see what my friends are listening to and then i can listen to that Mm -hmm. and i like i like the ability to build a playlist and know these are the 20 or 50 or 100 songs that i'm going to listen to and know what's on there because i use music like I listen to a specific playlist of music when I'm at the gym always because it's got the right stuff to run to and then the right stuff to lift to. And it's so I like kind of follow my workout based on the music that's playing. And so a, a station of music that changes wouldn't work for me. It would be distracting or whatever. The music might not be the right tempo or the right song for what I'm doing right now. Right. You, listen, so you apparently listen about, to music like, with purpose. I, I, I do. I, 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 not, not that I don't enjoy listening to music just for fun. And there are things on Spotify that are like that too. They have tons of curated playlists and like I'm in the mood for chill music. And then there's a playlist of 500 songs of chill music or a playlist of 300 songs that are coffee shop favorites. And it's, you know, whatever I'm in the mood for. And I'll listen to those. Um, but I think that's, that's the I think I hope the target group that they're going after with whatever they do with this Beats revamp. And obviously Beats already has a little bit of an established right. segment there. I'm just wondering, is it gonna be are we gonna see Beats continue on as Beats? Or is it going to become an iTunes branded product and that Beats music kind of fades away? And will you have the ability to go out and say, I want to listen to 
Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, and I want to listen to Damn the Torpedoes album and start at the top and listen to the album for a monthly service fee? Well, that's a tough question. Um, I've wondered that not only about this uh, upcoming streaming service, I've wondered it about the Beats headphones as well. Um, and I, I really can't help but wonder, is, is Apple just going to brand those as Apple products at some point? Because I could really see them doing it. I could definitely see it from the uh, the streaming service standpoint. I, the headphones, I, I think enough people are aware. Like, I don't think enough people know about Beats as a streaming service, maybe, to... Right, it only had, what, 250,000 subscribers or something like Some, that? Something like Some that. I mean, it wasn't really low number. Near, it wasn't anywhere near what their headphone market reaches. Right. So I think, mm-hmm. I think from a headphone standpoint, if they were to become Apple Beats headphones, I mean... Could be Beats by Apple just, or... I don't, I don't yeah. think they'll totally get rid of the Beats name because... Because it's very well known, right? Yeah, and no matter what people think of them, they they either strongly love them or strongly hate them. I've never anytime I've ever published anything about beats or mentioned anything about beats, people will either, oh yeah, I love them and they're so great and you know, or they'll, why those suck. You know, you might as well strap two tin cans to your head and listen, you know. And it's never been some you know, very few people will go, Oh yeah, it's just a good headphone. They're either, oh it's horrible or it's great. So maybe they're going to do with this something similar to what they did with Siri. Um, Siri was called Siri before Apple acquired it, and it's now very, very clearly an Apple product right. um, that, that's using that technology and using the brand recognition from that thing. It's going to become Apple just by association. Mm-hmm. I mean, anytime any any news story mentions Beats now, it's always, you know, Apple recently bought them or bought them last year, or the Apple-owned Beats. So, what would you guys uh, be willing to pay to have a streaming service? And like right now, iTunes Radio is free, but if you have iTunes Match, the twenty-five dollar a year service, you get, in theory, unlimited skips. And I think that's really the only perk you get out of the radio. Don't you also um, lose the ads? I think you also lose the ads. I can't and, you, and you lose the ads. Although I've still had it serve me ads a couple times. Just a lot less of them. Yeah, a lot. It's not, it's not like it's every other song or every two songs. Yeah. But I, if I uh, listen to music for an I, hour or two, I've, I've had it. I have iTunes match, and when I listen, I don't notice a lot of... I can't recall any ads, but I know my when, when Julie listens to it, she doesn't have iTunes match on her iTunes account. So I'll, she'll be listening to it while she's painting or something, and I'll overhear it. And, and I hear quite a few ads about every other song or so, about every two or three songs, there'll be an ad. It's a quick 15-second little blurb, but they're still there. And it's usually, it's usually an ad for, like, apps or iTunes content, isn't it? Right, yeah, or another iTunes radio channel. A, or, a different channel. Yeah, yeah. It's, so it's, I, it's, I've, I've heard very few, you know, go buy a Chrysler-type things. Yeah, and I, the only ones I've ever noticed are ones that are Apple related, where it's, oh well, uh, check out such and such's new album on iTunes. Right. I'm like, okay, um, I would listen to that if I was wanting to listen to that. Thanks. 
this is where I diverge from a lot of people, and I'm I'm I like ads. I'm not afraid to admit that I actually enjoy ads when I'm listening to radio or listening to music well, or even a streaming you're a newly service reborn, or watching Hulu. You're a newly um, reborn capitalist too, so <laughs> that that's a fact. You know, to so. me though, um, ads are discovery tools, and used right, they can actually be really good tools for finding new things that you might like. I think in an ad, an ad for a, another station or another artist that's similar to what you're listening to, you might be willing to check them out because of that. Mm-hmm. Or an app, maybe, if if it was like, oh, well, you're listening to iTunes radio, check out Beats by Dre, and you're like, oh, yeah, I should look at those headphones. I find a lot like Not that you when you're know. watching Hulu, a lot of Hulu's ads will be for other shows on Hulu. Right. right. And, and I do enjoy those because, oh, yeah, well, I'll, I'll make a note of that and I'll, I'll put that in my playlist just to check it out. So, yeah, I don't mind ads like that. It, it's, it's when you hear the same. Over and over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The new Jeep Renegade. Buy it now. Okay. I just bought a car. Go away. Yeah, right. Uh, maybe there should be a feedback system here where you can. Um give feedback on which ads are and aren't relevant to you kind of right. like there's got to be some does, way of improving that like what facebook does where you can actually click on an ad up in the corner and say uh this i think it's i think just this ad is not relevant to me is what it says or right i don't like this or something like that and it asks you why and you say it's not relevant and then it stops feeding you ads that don't apply to you you know i i got yeah, sent the, a the difference to here is that facebook's ads are almost always still terrible <laughs> well that's true <laughs> I I haven't gotten asked to play Candy Crush in a while, and I haven't gotten an ad for Game of War or whatever that Kate Upton advertised game is, so I'm doing okay. Um, so yeah, how much would you guys think the to uh would be acceptable for Apple to charge for this streaming service? I could see myself tossing in ten bucks a month. Yeah, seven or eight dollars a month. Okay, so. No more than ten for sure. Yeah, probably not. Okay. Yeah, I, I know like right now Beats is nine ninety nine, Spotify is nine ninety nine, although Spotify has a great deal if you're uh uh a student or recently were a student and I think if you or if you work at an educational institution, it's only four ninety nine a month. Um, which is a killer deal for I what I would consider probably their their main market, that young person who's adopting the streaming service thing, people who don't buy CDs anymore, Chris. Right. Um. Hey, I, <laughs> I haven't played a CD in a year. I've, I've ripped everything to digital. I swear to God. I don't, even, I don't even have a CD player in my computer. So. I do, but my, my MacBook's from 2011, so they still had... Uh, CD or the DVD drives in there. I've still got I mean, a stack of CDs over here on the on the uh, on the shelf. I can see, but I just haven't ripped them yet. I have a box of CDs that I promised my wife that I would rip and add to iTunes that I have no CD drive to do with. So <laughs> I now have a box of CDs instead. <laughs> so, um, so kind of like sticking with this whole, how much would you pay? So let's say that it's ten dollars or less. So it's competitively priced with the others. Uh, what do you think Apple would need to do to get people to switch 
from Spotify or Amazon Prime where you can do the same kind of feature. Um, although Amazon Prime, you do get a lot of other perks with. Um, or or the people going to YouTube and just listening to music song by song or album by album. Like, What, what kind of feature would Apple need to get people to to use their service. I mean, obviously iTunes integration um, is an automatic, you know, foot in the door for them. But I, th- I think that's their biggest plus is integration with the iTunes that people are already familiar with. I'm not sure unless they could undercut the other services by three or four bucks. I don't see pricing being a big thing. And I don't think the record labels will let them do that. No. Um, I know there's talk of that Apple Music or whatever they're going to call it will have uh, social networking features for the artists to use. They'll be able to have their own pages on the service and they can post samples and, of you know tracks, photos, videos, information for their fans. They'll be able to cross-promote with other artists. That might be a little bit of a draw, but... I think it's going to be a tough road to hoe for them. Yeah. And well, that's, that's one thing I saw uh, several times. And like I said before, for me, one of the things I love about using Spotify is I can have all my friends that also use Spotify on there mm-hmm. and I can see what they're listening to, or I can see what, like if they made a playlist and they share it, I can go and subscribe to that playlist. And as they make changes to it, I can see it. Right. So that whole like music is now a social thing and it's a, a collaborative thing. Um, I could totally see that being somewhere where Apple could maybe, you know, get an edge because everyone that would use it would in theory have an iTunes account. So they're already a member. So then they could just by default, if you listen to it on Apple radio or whatever they call it, anybody who's your friend, but then how do you determine your Apple friends, I guess. And obviously um, they, they did the, social attempt at a social music service uh, that was a total failure. Ping. <laughs> Glenn rolling his eyes already. <laughs> yes. Man, what a, what a mess that was. And it could have had such potential. There's, it, I think there's a lot to be learned from Ping. I, I remember right before they closed it down, I went out and I was like, oh, wow, there's some cool stuff on here. And then literally like the next day they were like, Ping's dead. Yeah. Well, there goes that. Well, they were waiting for you to log in. (laughs) Apparently that was it. They were like, we just need this last one person to log into the, oh, there it is. All right, we're good. Um, So do you think this is a, a doomed task for Apple, a doomed idea for them? They're always doomed. So why not? I don't think they'll ever, I don't think they'll ever give up the idea. I don't think they'll ever totally drop it. I don't think it's ever going to be... I can't see it being a, a real major player. I can't see it taking over the market. I've, As all my ex-wives will tell you, I've been wrong before. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. What do you think, Glenn? I, I wouldn't be surprised if it does take things... I, I wouldn't be surprised if it takes the industry by storm in a real way. Um, we're looking at a company that has tried this multiple times. This is essentially their third generation music service. And this time it's 
bolstered by some really key acquisitions that have done well in this area. Um, I think if Apple is learning from their mistakes, I mean, if, if they're bringing things like exclusive content and early access to the platform, I think it stands a really serious chance of becoming a hard hitter for the industry, especially if they integrate it tightly enough into their existing products. Sure. Yeah, they do seem to be taking a little more interest in doing it correctly this way, this time, uh, putting a little more resources behind it instead of just kind of making a me too service. And when they also, you have to consider they do have beats already as, as a backbone for this, which has a right. lot of those, those deals, mm-hmm. has a lot of that music already there, has some subscribers, has kind of that social aspect. So I guess they're just having that built at its core certainly right them... they, they've got a good point to start from yeah. and, and beats well, got I, a good I, base I, for it i think the thing to remember is and i think this is an important mechanic of how apple works as a company they very rarely as far as services are concerned come out with something that's amazing and everything everybody wanted and immediately successful from the get-go um Look at the Apple TV, for instance. It started out as a very, very simple device, very, very basic, and it's continuing to get better and more robust over time. Um, and if, if June and the developer conference brings what I think it will, we're going to see it become something even more impressive this year. That's what I've seen happening with the music service as well. They start with something to get their foot in the door. Maybe it fails. So they do a few things differently. They start again. They allow it to develop. They watch the industry, and they learn not just from their own mistakes, but they learn from what the industry at large is doing wrong before they really make their serious leap into it. Do you think Apple's in a place now where they need to constantly be like beyond innovating but actually breaking into new fields? Uh, just to to stay where they are, stay as the leader in in the pack. I mean, obviously, music is an area. Mobile phones is an area. Now, smartwatches is an area. Uh, I, I don't think things. they have to do that. I think that this is just what Apple does, and historically, what they do very, very well. I mean, the iPhone was far from the first smartphone. Right. The iPad was far from the first tablet, and the Mac was far from the first computer. But when each of those devices reached its second generation, they were serious, serious industry players. And in first generation, in most cases, for those devices. Yeah, yeah they're never the first in the pool to do anything. But uh, when they do decide to do it, they usually go at it whole hog. Mm-hmm. So anything else streaming music related that you guys think should be mentioned or worth noting or hoping for out of out of Apple. I'm I'm personally I'm hoping to see some of this come out of WWDC, which I'm assuming we'll talk about on our next our next episode since I think that'll be right before that right, right before the yeah. conference starts. Yeah, I think that's where I'm, all the I'm hoping, gonna happen. I'm hoping to see something eventually come from Apple that's similar but for visual media, like movies and TV shows. Um, maybe a service uh, not unlike Netflix, and not unlike HBO Now, 
What do you, what do you guys think about that type of a concept? They already have all the content on a server somewhere because they have it in the yeah. iTunes store. Right. I would love a subscription-based video service from Apple. It it seems hard to imagine they would do that simply based on the price of what their content goes for on iTunes, even for rentals. Mm-hmm. That a rental of even a cheap movie is a buck. You figure you rent eight movies a month, you've now hit the price of Netflix. And that there are people who will rent or watch, what, eight movies a day on Netflix? Or eight movies Maybe a week? it's all about quantity, though. I mean, if they can get ten times as many people subscribing to an inexpensive streaming service as they typically get renting movies on iTunes, it could still be very lucrative. Depends on what they offer, the age of the content, type of the content. Can you get the studios to go along with it? I I could also see Apple doing, uh, like, multiple tiers of a streaming platform. You have the, uh, like, Apple basic plan that's, you know, just older content, older shows, older movies, um, some exclusive stuff thrown in or some newer stuff thrown in, but not much of it. And then, like, a higher tier that's maybe twice the cost that gets you access to some of the newer stuff. And then maybe even yet a third tier that's, you know, early access, you know, a movie a month before it comes out or a week before it comes out or something like that that you pay extra, you know, you pay $25 a month for instead of 10 and that you now have content. So basically like basic cable, silver tier, gold tier. Exactly, something like that. And that I could see that if that also and then includes TV stuff, maybe that's the answer to the how does this Apple TV as a service, uh, a, a streaming service work? And we talked about all the content that's on there. They have all these TV shows on Apple TV. Um, and a lot of them are available the next day after a show airs, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So that they could do kind of the Hulu thing at the same time where you can now go out and watch content through this service, they can even serve you ads during it and say, well, here's other iTunes content, which could offset some of that additional cost. Um, but I, I could see that. Yeah. Man, so much stuff to think about leading up to the next couple of months. Exactly. So completely unrelated. Uh, I discovered something this week. Did you know that uh, those ringtones you download or alert tones you download on iTunes? if you guys are into that, or that you make in GarageBand or whatever it is, did you know you can use those as your alert tones on a Mac? Really? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know if that... if I, I When I figured it out, I was like, how is this not... It's it's not a built-in thing. It's like totally a convoluted back way to do it. Like, you go in and you place it in a folder in the library and you edit this file and add it in. It's, it's way too much work for what it's worth. Oh, I remember having, saying something about that, yeah. Having a... Jar Jar Binks yell, "Oh no!" Every time I get a text alert, it seemed like it was worth it. Worth it. <laughs> um, and so I, I figured that out. I don't. It was uh on Star Wars Day. I actually figured that out, and I was like, "I because I have my ringtone on my phone set to R two D two. 
And I was like, I want to have a Star Wars sound on my computer for when I get a text too. But I didn't want it to be the same thing. I wanted it to be a little different. So I was digging through my library of sounds and figured out how to get that added. So that might be something worth uh, sharing with our our listening audience on putting it over on MacTrast. Um, damn it, Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> messaging the whole <laughs> messaging the whole group I a bubble didn't I <laughs> wow sending messages to the whole group and throwing us all off um thank you Chris um but yeah it's <laughs> it's so it, it, it made me wonder so my, my whole point of that was it made me wonder why why is that not a feature that Apple just has built into OS X like you've been able to set custom alert tones since iOS four, five. Yeah, I think it was like four. That, when you could actually download ringtones and set those. So why why on a Mac can I not download a ringtone into iTunes? I paid a buck for it. Damn it, Apple! I paid a dollar for this. Why can't I use <laughs> it as my text alert or my email alert or whatever the hell alert I want on my computer? How is that not an integrated thing? And is there even any rationale as to why that's a, a thing? Yeah, it seems logical. I mean, as far as I recall from Windows, when I use Windows, you could pretty much set any damn sound you wanted as any alert or any prompt. Uh, I don't see any why they wouldn't have. Seems like it'd be a simple thing to do. You, you, you should you shouldn't have to go in and edit p lists and everything else just to. Uh, Right. Be able to to hear a prompt you want to. Well, and mm-hmm. and is it just me? Am I the only one who's spent money on an alert tone? Please tell me I'm not. I have maybe bought two or three when they were first available, and then I discovered how to do them myself. But but you you do use I'm... custom alert tones. Yeah, I uh, until recently I had uh, Unbreakable as my ringtone <laughs> until I. Uh, would wake up in the middle of the night with it going through my head, so that's no longer a ringtone. Uh, that's a horribly catchy tune. I highly advise no one to ever set that as a ringtone. You will find yourself singing it at 2 in the morning, and you don't even have to be drunk. Uh, Great show, though. Oh, I love the show. <laughs> I, I, I love the theme song from it. It's, it's so great. It just the whole... It's uh, it's a perfect show, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Other exciting things, um, are something of the week, <clears throat> because that's what we're gonna call it now. Is there something of the week, whether it was an app or a download or a, a product or whatever, or something of the week. Uh, All right, I I I, I have one. I have one. It's totally useless, <laughs> but it's free. And what the hell. It's click wheel. It's a click wheel keyboard for uh, for your custom keyboards, and it just operates just like the click wheel used to on the old iPods. You spin it around to get the letter and the number, and all the emoji are there. You just have to keep spinning until you find the one you want. It does seem to crash a, a couple of times and freeze up, but like I said, it's free. It's called uh, just called click wheel. Look that up in the App Store, and uh, it, it's fun to play with. And totally useless. Just, just came out, and I know I know there's a couple little tricks in it, like uh, backspace 
and space and shift and delete are actually there. Yeah, I, I haven't up. had, I, I just downloaded this afternoon. I was playing with it while I watched a movie. And uh, so I haven't near discovered everything it'll do, but it, it's, I, it's fun. I, I just caught that on Twitter. Somebody had shared a, this is the tutorial that'll save your life if you're using click wheel or something like that. And it was like, if you click up, it's delete. If you click right, it's space. Down is shift and left is backspace. <laughs> I was like, oh, good to know. Glenn, Glenn, had you seen that one? Or YouTube is it? Yeah, yeah. Very cool stuff. Very cool stuff. Anything, anything from you? What's your something of the week? Uh, my my favorite one is um, Grim Fandango is now available on the iPhone and iPad. This is one of my uh, favorite games back from the PC days. Is that an old uh, Lucas Arts game. It is an old LucasArts game. Um, it's it's now produced by Double Fine Productions for iOS devices. Uh, a really solid game about uh, essentially a grim reaper who's lost in the modern world and they're trying to figure out how to make it all work. Uh, wow, it's, it's a little pricey. It's ten bucks, but it's a solid port. I figured you were too young to have played. You didn't play that originally. Oh, I that, sure did. That was what eighties. That was mid mid to late eighties. Very very late eighties. It had a resurgence in the mid nineties. That's that's where I kind of fell in. I just got told to stand up. <laughs> and ladies, watch, ladies and gentlemen, watch, those of you not looking at the video portion of our program, he is not standing up. I'm not. I'm <laughs> I'm seated, but my watch just nudged me and said, "Hey, you've been sitting too long." Which means Glenn's stand watch up, probably. Ian. Means do as you're told. <laughs> I will. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> you will do as the apple tells you, or there will be consequences. <laughs> um. Yeah. My uh. My something okay. of the week. We'll just forget about the uh, stand-up thing for now. <laughs> <laughs> His something I, of the week I, is what? What I'm, he ignores. I'm literally. I'm. I'm. I can't wait for WWDC when you have like 600 people or whatever a thousand people in that conference room <laughs> and at 10 to the hour when all their watches click and say <laughs> stand up and the whole room does the collective look at their watch and then try to decide should we stand tim would want us to stand they're I all going to be looking around like okay if he's, <laughs> and they'll, they'll be acting like uh used to be on to tell the truth will the real person step up stand up please and they'll they'll all act like they're going to stand up and they're waiting for the other one and Maybe Apple should put some beacons in that room so everybody stands up in increments. It'll be like they're doing the wave. <laughs> Might look a little too much like a 19, 1940s Nazi party film. Everybody stands up at once and salutes. That might be a little uncomfortable. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, the mandatory standing minute. Uh, so yeah, my, my something of the week was actually an app that I got to do a review for. Um, which I who would print one of your reviews? I don't know. <laughs> Dear Lord, sent, they must I have been desperate it, for content. I sent it to a whole bunch of people, and I think one one site picked it up. Probably got some uh, editor who just didn't feel like writing it himself. <laughs> Rather pay somebody. Uh, the uh, some the, uh, some kind of a trast, whatever that is. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely <laughs> a trast. That's for sure. Uh, but the, the app is a uh, camera plus. Not to be confused with the camera plus that everyone else knows. 
This is the other camera plus. And I, I found <laughs> it even funnier. Themselves. That I actually found it even funnier that when I read it and thought that, that the original review that, that Chris had written last fall, he, he started with the same thing, camera plus, but not the one, not this one, but the other one. Yeah, no, not that one. No. <laughs> so it's spelled it's, it's spelled out plus, not not the plus symbol. Right. It's spelled out plus. Um, but they they just updated their app and added Apple Watch support. Um, and the reviews on MacTrust for anybody who wants to to check it out. But basically, the, what it came down to was it's a cool app. It has some fun filters. It has some fun editing tools. It has uh, this cool feature called Air Snap where you can trigger it from another device. Um, that was my favorite feature when I reviewed it last year. The uh, inherent issue of Apple Watch apps being kind of slow and crappy, they tried to add it to the Apple Watch and tried to do the same thing that Apple did with their stock camera, where you could actually fire the shutter from the watch and actually use the viewfinder as a way to see what was on the phone's display. Mm-hmm. Um, while the feature did work, I had a lot of issues with it. So that was that was my only letdown of that app was that the Apple Watch part of it kind of fell short for me and that just kind of reinforces that third party watch or third party apps on the watch right now mm-hmm. need something. Whether it's on the Apple side or the developer side, I don't know. But Yeah, it's a learning curve though. They'll get it. Any other exciting somethings before we head out for the night? No, I'm I'm getting excited to see the last last uh, episode of Mad Men tonight. So that's my excitement for the night, and I cannot see what he is. Was bacon. that Archer? It's a, it's a bacon action figure. Oh, I thought for, I, couldn't I thought it said Archer. And I, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember that one. The, uh, the the part of the show that you guys can't see as listeners. Uh, is almost as entertaining as a part of it that you can hear. The random things. That <laughs> and you're not getting that for free. We will charge for that. I I have debated doing that though, offering the the recording process as a hangout on air. Uh, but we would have to, we'd have to actually have people that wanted to, us to do that, which would mean know. they would have to subscribe and tell us on Twitter or something and be like, "Hey, I would actually watch you guys while you're recording and." Yeah, insult think, you in the comment section or something and then we would be like oh that's a great plan i think we need to get listeners before we get viewers so there's your challenge 17 people that are listening tell us what you want 17 it went up <laughs> wow they told me that we're in double digits wait that's what, that's what the uh the internet tells us that we have we have then some it must be so, so we we appreciate all of them for we do for joining us. We love you all. And, uh, we love you, everyone. So, uh, if if that's it, uh, I guess then uh, my thanks again to Chris and Glenn for joining me today. Thanks and for having as, us. Absolutely. As a reminder, you can find Chris on Twitter at blhauk h a u k, and good. you can also see his stories over on mactrass dot com. Uh, six and a half days a week. Uh, yeah, Glenn, yeah. <laughs> something like that. Glenn can be found on Twitter at the Glenja, G L E N N J A. Very good. Uh, at least for now, that's the name he's stuck with. And lastly, you can find me on Twitter at Ian Fuchs, I A N F U C H S. 
And thanks again to our listeners for joining us for another exciting edition of Magnificent. And if you enjoyed the show, please do leave a, re- a review or a rating, uh, or both on iTunes, because it really helps us out. We hope to catch you on the next episode. Music